0: This episode of the Best Seats podcast is brought to you by Well You. To learn how you can support the show, go to the bestseats.com/patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's the bestseats.com/patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 97 of the Best Seats podcast. Cannot believe we're almost that close to 100. The only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented folks in and around the Southern California hospitality industry from right here in Orange County and beyond each and every episode. I'm your host, Croft McCarthy, founder and principal of the Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to my friend Allie Coyle, who provides the music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. Or if you are here in the Orange County area, make sure to check out any of her family's three restaurants, Fable and Spirit over in Newport Beach, and Dublin 4 and Wine Works for Everyone. Both of those are in Mission Viejo. As a reminder, if you enjoy the show, if you're listening to it on free feeds, please be sure, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review or jumble. It helps other folks discover it, find new audiences, etc. You can go to TheBestEast.com for more content just like this. But do not forget that the only way to get early, ad-free listening to each and every episode, as well as exclusive access to the post-bonus episode is by going to Patreon.com forward slash the best seats and signing up at a monthly amount that makes the most sense to you. Huge guest for episode 97. I am incredibly humbled, uh, very, very honored to bring on somebody who has been doing what he's done for a long time. Uh, My guest for this episode is Chef Riley Huddleston, Executive Chef Partner, VP of Food and Beverage. Uh, You can find him over at Lido House in Newport Beach, running around, running everything that they have going on there from their signature restaurant, Mayor's Table, to Topside, which I'm sure many of you have enjoyed a beverage at, to everything else that goes on at that hotel. And when I say hotel, for those that are not familiar with Lido House, this is definitely more than just your average hotel. This is high-end, high-end stuff we are talking about here. And Chef Huddleston is somebody that has been doing this for a long time. Started his first restaurant in his very early 20s. And I'm talking early, friends. Okay, Launched multiple restaurants, hotels throughout places like Chicago. Not an easy place to do it. Getting Lido House on board several years ago. Running it. And now kind of reinvigorating life into it after the pandemic. The slow reopening of kind of 21. And basically pushing his team forward and everything that goes into it. He's very, very, very graciously sat down for this episode, Um, very candidly, which is something I really appreciate. He's very honest about what goes into it, the rigors, the headaches, the successes. What makes his job more difficult than just your kind of standard brick and mortar restaurant? What makes his job more fulfilling? Why in the world does he want to commit so hard to working so hard? Well, it's just in his DNA. And you can pick up on that in every second of this episode. He is methodical. He is precise. He is damn talented, as I said before. And he is somebody that I was so, so grateful to take the time out of what is an incredibly busy work schedule to sit down and chat on this podcast. I don't want to waste any more time. This is a man who runs at efficiency. So I want to be efficient in this opening because this is a huge one. And I hope you will enjoy episode 97 of the Best Seats Podcast featuring... Executive Chef Partner at Lido House, Vice President of Food and Beverage, Chef Riley Huddleston. Enjoy. Chef, thank you for taking the time to sit down. Um, Beautiful warm day up at Lido House in Newport Beach. I'm very excited to chat about all the projects that you guys have going on, kind of breathing life into Mayor's Table again and, and all the ventures that you have going forward, The cocktails, the whole nine yards. But before we dive into any of that, would you mind taking a moment to introduce yourself and give a little of your background and kind of what brought you here to Lido House?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. <clears throat> uh, so Lido House, uh, I have been here before inception. Mm-hmm. So before we actually broke ground, I am the executive chef partner here. I moved from Chicago. I was in Chicago for seven years opening hotels and creating their concepts uh, at some beautiful places in Chicago. And before that, I was on the Sonoma Coast uh, with a hotel called Timber Cove Inn, where Bob Olson, now the owner of Lido House, Mm -hmm. and our other hotels, my boss, the CEO and president of the company, and he was the owner of that hotel. So we met when I was like 23. Got it. Uh, And then before that was... Boise, Idaho, where I had some restaurants and grew those. So I'm here based on my history with Bob and also uh, the hotel space and taking that ownership in restaurants. So
0: so your actual role here with um, the property Lido House and kind of the, the group overall is culinary the director. I mean, how would you kind of what are your kind of day to day because it's not just traditional kind of chef on the line. I mean, you have a lot of moving pieces under your belt.
1: Uh, so it. Is no sleep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh,
0: Great, great for work-life balance. You know,
1: it's perfect. Wife loves it. Uh, No, it's, so I'm the VP of food and beverage for the umbrella company. Mm -hmm. So we have eight other hotels, only two full service hotels, but then we have three more under development currently. So my day-to-day is to program out those hotels, underwrite those hotels with the food and beverage side, uh in uh conjunction with our other VPs in our office so and then so i work with our vp of designer and vp of finance and vp of uh hotels so then we kind of just work together on more of the op sky uh and conceptual outside of the hotel side and then i bring it to life uh so everything nuts to bolts on that side and then at Lido House we I'm the executive chef partner so Maria is our management company mm-hmm. and then I am the executive chef kind of above property that uh, works on the recipes make sure everything on the palette the glassware the concept the culture everything stays the same as what was originally visualized and then we have an executive chef and now we're on our third executive chef because, uh, you know, within an organization like Marriott, they want the new blood to come in, yeah. and then they want to promote you to go to a different hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of how you get money and how you get a raise within the organization. Staying on one hotel for very long is not uh, how they grow their talent. Yeah. So every year and a half to two years, I'll always have a new chef. So then that's why we created my program uh, within the hotel so we can keep standards and keep that uh, going for perpetuity as far as we can see.
0: I mean, that's that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of different things going on. It's a lot of balls up in the air. It's a little bit different than just kind of your traditional standalone restaurant where you are just kind of worrying about, yes, some HR things, but, uh, you know, orders and things like that. But it's a little bit more intense than just kind of being on the line every night. Do you still, as somebody with a very, very strong culinary background, obviously you are here for a reason. You are talented as hell and you've earned it do you still consider yourself a chef or is it more of a kind of a manager role or kind of an operator? Uh, I mean, are you doing as much cooking as you would like to be?
1: It depends on the day. Yeah. Right. Cause I love thinking about the concepts. I love doing that piece. That's really where I thrive. Mm-hmm. Right. Openings is my addiction because it's the hardest thing you'll ever do is uh, in the hospitality spaces, open a hotel. Because it is 365 days. It's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. It's banquets. It's multiple outlets. And it is about 80 hours a week for at least six months. So every time you get burned out, but yet you keep on coming back to it. So that is my passion and my addiction. Uh, and then, but Lido House is now open for four years. Yeah. So as we continue, I kind of step away a little bit more each year each few months right i get pulled back in because oh cook calls off for example or you know we still have our covid protocols mm-hmm. oh you had a cough so you're out for five days oh two cooks are out for five days so then i'm back and i'm on the line yeah right so it goes from it's a full pendulum It keeps on coming back uh so uh i am would definitely consider myself a chef uh at least Two nights out of the week, and then the rest is really more of the uh business owner yep. and working on the the leadership role rather than the management role. So I go back it's a, and forth.
0: There's a chef that I once heard who became a hotelier and, and kind of got into it more on the boutique side of things, but he described a hotel as kind of like a child that doesn't want to go to sleep. It's a, someone's always gonna want something, and you're just always on. Because you, I mean, again, there are people that are sleeping here every night. You have to worry about all three services. Everything has to hit. And not just that, when you look around at a place like this, and again, I know this is an audio podcast for anybody who's not been down here. You're doing yourself a disservice because Lido House is stunning. This comes with certain expectations at a hotel of this level. Your clientele do expect certain things that maybe they don't at other properties. This being kind of one of those gems of the, you know, of the coastline out here. What are some of the big differences you've experienced opening kind of hotels versus just a traditional restaurant what are some of the stresses that you have to deal with that maybe a chef just in kind of a standard brick and mortar doesn't
1: uh i think that's a good analogy because it is always on yeah and it doesn't matter it's there's just the weird things that happen in hotels that is uh, there there's one more bureaucrats Mm. involved right because there's a lot more money yeah a hotel you develop it's you know, some, like the one in Chicago, I think, was the largest hotel I've opened. Uh, it was 452 rooms. I want to say it was, you know, $230 million yeah. to open that hotel, to build it and open it, right? There's no restaurant in the world that costs that much. No. You know, it's like $6 million is a great budget for, like, you're... Yeah, you're going to have a beautiful a space. Beautiful $6 space, million, 100%. You know? um, So, there's just a lot more political issues that you have to deal with. There's a lot more egos that you have to deal with um, on the business side. Mm -hmm. And then on the operation sides, there's a lot more just everything is just a lot more. It's like you have to have a lot more glassware. You have to have a lot more inventory. You have to allow like everything is just a lot more. And then you add banquets on top of it. And that is, all over the board because how many are in-house guests, how many are outside guests, mm-hmm. and then you have to have security, you know. especially run rooftops, you have to have security because you might not, I would not have security if I was just running uh, topside, yeah. right? If topside was on a business building and I was just running topside, no problems. But you have hotel rooms, you have hotel guests, you have these added layers of security that you actually have to, Take care of. Yeah. Um to make people feel safe. Not that we're in an unsafe place. We're in Newport Beach. I mean, it's it's yeah, a very yeah. safe place. Uh, <laughs> but you have to have those just for every occasion, right? Every Friday, Saturday you have to have them. Uh just for that added layer of security for guest rooms and and so it's and then you add parking in there and it it's just fascinating doing hotels. If you haven't done hotels, I mean Hotels is something that everybody should do because it's how we look through things. Like If you go stay and you travel at a hotel, there you don't even think about everything that's going into it. But then when you're on the other side and it's like six or seven people asking you for something else at any given time, from room service to pool to uh, front desk, they're, oh, I checked in and my room's not ready. Food and beverage. What are you going to make this do to make this? Yeah, guest how are you going to make that right? Yeah, you know. And it's like, well, I'm not in charge of rooms, yeah, you know? but you are. It's because it's everything, and so it's just fascinating. It's 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 an on business all the time. Um, I wouldn't change it, but it is uh opening independent restaurants so easy, and and those are not easy. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I'm those not, are not easy. I'm not saying they're with, easy. So. Uh, they, it's just so easy comparatively. Uh, because you don't have the layers, you don't have uh, the bureaucracy, which then also slows down the creative aspect because you're yeah. an independent, you can change it right away.
0: But here you have to have an operations meeting and then you have to have a meeting about what happened in the operations meeting. And then maybe you're going to have a follow up meeting because we just need to ping you on these couple items. And, and then, maybe yeah.
1: we will... Implement it.
0: (laughs) I mean, really quick, because I want to get back to operations and I want to talk about kind of the bureaucracy of that from a creative standpoint. I do want to really quick, can you kind of describe the different places that you have on property here? For anybody that hasn't been, there's Mayor's Table, you mentioned Topside. Can you kind of go through the breakdown of what food and beverage options you do have here on
1: site? Yeah, absolutely. So it's only 130 room hotel. Mm -hmm. Uh, 50% of the square footage of the building is food and beverage. So that includes Mayor's Table, Mm -hmm. which is our three meal a day restaurant, our signature restaurant, uh, that is chef driven seasonal restaurant, uh, and great bar program. If you haven't been the bar definitely on the weekend is a very active place. Yeah. Uh, and then we have our roof, uh, top, which is top side. And that is a definitely cocktail driven uh, beverage driven environment that is i would say majority of locals and uh, that's definitely a locals hangout yeah and uh then you have crew coffee and creamery so that's our coffee shop that is smaller but it's very cool hip fun i mean it's Primarily during the day, it's just regulars uh, sitting there working on their laptops, sitting and using the lawn. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then uh, caught the beachgoers during the summer, and then, of course, the in house guests. Uh, and then we have our banquets and meetings space, which is a 3,000 square foot ballroom plus our outdoor uh, meeting space. So it's all kind of flows as one um, on our event lawn. So a lot of weddings. Um, it's those, yeah, yeah. all that is yeah. happening.
0: So with all those different kind of moving pieces and options, from the operation standpoint for you, when you want to, you know, when you know that those new seasons are coming, there's new flavors that we're going to be using, ingredients, it's not just as easy as, you know, getting ahead of your suppliers, getting those orders in, and then just kind of freewheeling some of the dishes. Maybe you know what you're going to do. Maybe there's like an R&D night. I mean, what is your process like having to go through all those kind of extra hoops and steps compared to, an independent restaurant? I mean, does it do, does it ever kind of hold you back at all from a creative standpoint? Or do you know that even though you have to sit through some meetings, that support system is there behind you to get stuff done?
1: Uh, it's an evolution, right? It evolves with each manager that comes on, each chef that comes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that is holds back because every time you get a new one, you have to train them in a sense of how yep. things operate because this doesn't operate as, especially with my role. It doesn't operate as a traditional hotel because if I want to say, change something tonight, I could put my foot down and say, we're changing this tonight. I don't care. Right. That's not necessarily the right thing to go about things, uh, on the political True. standpoint. Yep. So, so when you get like, we have a new, our new chef, Jonathan, mm-hmm. Right he just started about a month ago we rolled out just uh, we changed our pancakes not the price not the description not anything right we just uh made them cooler right on the breakfast menu we did uh and we changed one more thing on the breakfast and these were changes alterations they weren't menu changes yeah oh the team got so <laughs> upset that they didn't know they 86 them because they didn't think that it was the right one because I didn't say so. And I'm like, it's just freaking pancakes guys. Right. Uh, and so it's those type of things, but this new chef is new. It's his first executive chef role mm-hmm. in a hotel. So he's young and hungry. So he wants change. So he and I are on the change fast mode. Yeah. And, uh, but then the front of the house we have newer managers as well so they are not as fast to change right they because when you change one menu it's like okay the breakfast menu changed now room service has to change now front desk needs to have training yeah there's a trickle effect and yeah it is and then uh marketing has to upload new menus on the qr for the tv in the room so it's just like everything takes shit i didn't even think about that and one and yeah and then you're you have right. to okay. upload and then you have to change because we get in trouble all the time for our yelp not being update eight yeah. or my resi so each we have like six platforms that have to change when we change one item mm-hmm. yeah and in an independent you will not have that problem no so
0: no maybe you have to go to battle with the yelp account but you guys also have things like TripAdvisor, and because it's the hotel you're also dealing with those kind of travel publications i mean even from the media side point, you know it's not just your traditional kind of food outlets that you have to worry about. It's you know travel magazines, it is lifestyle mag. I mean, you're getting a whole different slew of eyes and, and kind of critiques and things to worry about. How is it that you look as healthy as you do? Because this just sounds stressful. I'm getting an ulcer just thinking about everything you must have to deal with. <laughs> I mean, how the talk of 2020 when everything shut down was work-life balance, right? Which has always been a conversation point in the industry. It's constantly coming back up. How do you how do you balance it? I mean, how do you do your best? I mean, you mentioned those six months, eighty hours—you are just crushing it. Obviously, this is opening something like this is a monumental achievement. It is a monolithic success of these things get to the level that they are. How do you personally stay healthy about it all?
1: Uh, well, in I worked a lot, yeah. right? Um, on the back end of the yelling, the screaming chef. When I started, I was young enough where it was intense Mm -hmm. restaurants kitchens so i've i mean i opened up my first restaurant when i was 22 so it's uh, it's just been kind of that trajectory when i was in chicago i was there for six and a half years Mm -hmm. almost seven years i probably worked 70 hours on average a week for seven years i took two weeks off in almost seven years that was it. That's a lot. I worked yeah. six days a week because that was the expectation of ownerships. That was that. That was just the expectation mm-hmm. in Chicago as a whole. It's you work six days a week. If yeah. you're in the restaurant game, you work six days a week. Even if you're closed too, you work six days a week because you have to be number one. Yeah. And, uh, and I think doing that created a lifestyle. It's when you understand it's a lifestyle choice and it's not work, then. Cause like you go out to dinner, you're critiquing them, you're enjoying it. You're, you know, you go through your same m- movements in a sense, you're watching everything. You're, mm-hmm. you're still on point. You have to just accept it as a lifestyle or it's going to make you go mad. Yeah. And I think that's, I did that young enough that this was just a lifestyle choice. So my family now is part of that lifestyle. Like, I mean, I blend my own champagne with Piper Heidzik. My daughter's name is Piper from that, mm-hmm. right? She has her own champagne that she will get when she's old enough for, from that experience. Right. So, and then my wife goes with me mm-hmm. on those trips. So, because then we're at least with each other. And I think that's just created. It is our life. It is our lifestyle. Every, I was here yesterday cause we had an event. I brought my family for brunch. We had brunch. We did an event. Then we go home. I've dragged you in here today. You're like I, I gotta sit down, do this dumb podcast.
0: Now we're here. Yeah, it's never yep. ending.
1: It's um perfect.
0: you you, you kind of segue into it perfectly because I wanted to bring it up is the Piper High relationship. Um, and I want to get to that in a second, but I want to talk about your drinks program specifically here at the hotel. Um you guys were just nominated for Tales of the Cocktail, best hotel bar. I wanna say US was the category. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really good bar program. You have great people here that, you know, friends of mine that run it that I'm hopefully going to get on the show. Steph, if you're listening, text me back. Um, but you have a very, very good drinks program, but you personally have a lot of experience in that. I mean, time at aviary and and kind of things of that nature. Most chefs are just food. Where did the kind of passion for drinks and kind of injecting culinary into that come from for you?
1: Uh, I think... I- I think it goes back to lifestyle, right? I was a pastry chef in uh, Seattle. Mm-hmm. I opened hotels as a pastry chef. Uh, and that's kind of how I really started. Uh, then, and my buddies were uh, bartenders and bar managers. So they would close the bar and we would be behind the bar and we'd be playing Nintendo or whatever on, on the screens. And they were a very high end uh, establishment, but they would close it down, hook it, hook in. And we'd be there until three or four o'clock in the morning drinking and creating stuff. And I would, and it was at the beginning of kind of the molecular phase. Yeah. So much so that I was calling uh, some of the largest, uh, I guess, chemical plants at that time, right? To find sodium halogenate, calcium chloride. I was calling everywhere and you just couldn't get it. Yeah. Right. I was special ordering stuff from Europe to get it here. And I was the first person probably in all of Seattle at the time to have pearls in a cocktail, but it was the three of us would just go to town and we'd, so I would bring that element to it Mm -hmm. and they would actually mix the drinks. And we'd do that every single Friday, Saturday night. And, and then I became a savory chef, moved out of there, got into wines uh, and then moved to Sonoma uh, coast where then wines was the big focus, but oh, a bartender has to go on break. I'm at a 50 room hotel. Somebody has to cover that break. Yeah. So I would just jump behind the bar and cover and not be in a chef coat. And people give you more leniency if you're in a chef coat too. <laughs> uh, so, so then I would just talk to them and I'd look in a cocktail book, make them a drink, whatever yeah. they called. And, and that's kind of where the passion, because it was like, all right, pastry i know the business side i've opened my own businesses got that side down uh then pastry i have down savory i have down wines really getting down at that time now pretty good and then cocktails as well so it was like you almost have to be a if you you probably can't be an expert in all of them because there's just so much depth yeah, there's of so much information out there uh but you can be really freaking good at a lot of them yeah. right so that's where that idea cuz it was like if i ever want to own my own hotel i need to know every single aspect and i need it to be all encompassing because i need it to be that same guest experience and based around my palate because that's when you know you know if the food is based around a palate even if you didn't create the dish but you've you tasted you approved same with the cocktails mm-hmm. same with the pastry you're going to have a great experience because it's cohesive. Yeah, and there's no, more of that yeah, there's cohesion. No yeah, yeah. So, so that's what was the driving force. And then I went to Chicago, and then there was uh, some aviary, and uh, and then also creating cocktail programs for the hotels out there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Well, it's time for a little commercial, yeah. I don't know about you but 2020 had me re-looking at how i live and the space that i live in spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space one of the main things as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants was gardening anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potage comes in. Heirloom Potage designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke buildouts used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef, owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotage.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, Potage, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloompotager. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms... It's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more, so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code the best seats 15 that's c-e-a-t-s at checkout now it's limited one per customer so make sure you load up but trust me you can't go wrong with anything they're doing i stand by amass 100 percent they're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house so again Go to amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code THEBESTSEATS15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. If you know me, you know that I love a great wine and food festival. That's why I'm beyond excited that after two years, Pacific Wine and Food Classic is back on October 1st. Named the best food and wine festival in North America by USA Today. This incredible event features top local chefs, premium cocktails, more than 100 wines, live music and more, all in beautiful Newport Beach. Now, this event is going VIP only for 2022, but you don't have to worry because the best seats has you covered. When you go to PacificWineAndFood.com for more details and to purchase tickets, you can use the discount code SEATS at checkout to save $25 off. That's SEATS, C-E-A-T-S, for $25 off. Once again, that's PacificWineAndFood.com for tickets and more information. And trust me, this is not one you want to miss. So, yeah. Um, I want to go back to the Piper Isaac kind of that you brought up, um, partnering with them. I mean, because you guys are doing something that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, no one else is doing kind of with them or, but you basically have worked with them and I'm going to butcher this and then you're going to help me and fix it. Uh, But you guys have basically brought in an exclusive blend that you went over and made specifically just for the hotel.
1: That's correct. So okay, good. All right, well, that you, was a d- you did a path, great job. Fail, yeah. fail class, yes. so. Uh, yeah, so we did, so I was the first one in the, the Americas mm-hmm. in 2017 to ever do it with any of the large ha- champagne houses. Then I was invited back in 2018, and I was the first person to ever do it twice, and now I'm the first person to ever do it three times because we were, we didn't get to do it in uh 19 and then because it arrived late 19 Mm -hmm. and then it was or it was somewhere in there and then we only did it twice before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit because I would have went in March of 2020. Oh, did you really? I was supposed to. Oh, okay. And then, wow. And then couldn't. Yep. So, so then we didn't do it until again. Now we, I went in April of 22. So how did that
0: relationship kind of come to be and and kind of describe that process and what that's like for you to bring something like that to your guests here?
1: Uh, I had good relationships with uh, them when I was in Chicago. Then when I came to Newport, Newport, uh, I've been told by many of the suppliers that Newport is the largest consumer per capita of champagne Mm -hmm. in the US. So then it was like, all right. And then talking to everybody and they were like hey we are starting this program we'd love you to be part of it and i was like done yeah twist my arm they're like you just have to come out and i'm like done again yeah Hmm. (laughs) i will i will be there uh so so then that's kind of how it came about and now we've been doing it since before the hotel opened
0: that's awesome That's, I mean, that's such a really, really cool thing to be able to offer people and and more an exclusive kind of really great benefit for anybody that kind of comes here to enjoy that. I I had a friend who's now retired, but he worked for uh, Newport Beach PD for a while and he was saying that I guess there are more liquor licenses like per square footage kind of in this area where the hotel is than like anywhere else like the Western United States or something crazy like that. So it's also not surprising that people drink a lot of champagne out here too. (laughs) Definitely not. Um, With kind of everything changing seasonality, I mean, you know, a hotel is never really off as we kind of said, but so many chefs do deal with seasonality out here. We're recording this, you know, this is August 1st today, still summertime for a lot of schools in the U S or at least the tail end of it. I mean, Newport in the summertime, just like kind of Laguna or Huntington beach just gets slammed this influx of people. Do you guys deal with kind of the seasonality, kind of those surges in customers and things like that, the way that other restaurants do? Or is yours a little more kind of fluid because it's guests staying throughout the year and you guys are kind of always busy at some points?
1: I would actually say we might deal with it more than a lot of restaurants because we are on the peninsula. Yeah. Right. I have friends in Crystal Cove to try to get them down here, which is what max 30 minutes? Max. Yeah. Max. In the winter is not happening. They will say (laughs) I'm not coming in the summer. No problem. Yeah. Winter. No. If I'm going down there, I'm going to drive to LA. It's like, I don't, I don't get it. That is a compute, but all right. But, but we are in such little pockets, you know, Newport, you know, you have the different neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and they are very much stay in their little pocket. So I think we deal with it. More in the winter because we have the influx of the locals wanting to come down to the water in the summer and we have the influx of tourism, but then in the winter or in the summer, so then in the winter, you, the locals don't want to go to the water and tourism is not crazy. Yeah. So, so I think we are definitely much slower in the winter. I mean, the rooftop is yeah, yeah. goes from right now, we'll see 500 guests on a saturday or 600 guests on a saturday to you know 150 on a saturday in late november With managing that many people and
0: as somebody who's spent a sunday or two at topside myself i know what those numbers look like but you know staffing is the number one thing that a lot of people have said they have issues with as well as supplies and just kind of getting things you know obviously ingredients and prices have shot up on certain things it's impossible to get certain things how do you navigate both of those kind of struggles right now i mean is it because you're so big, is it a little easier? And because you have that Marriott support behind you, can you get certain items that maybe somebody down the street can't? Or are you guys having as big of kind of staffing issues? Or, you know, how do you deal with kind of some of those other common problems that the, the industry as a whole seems to be dealing with?
1: Uh, they are, we're seeing every struggle that everybody else does. <clears throat> staffing could be worse. Mm-hmm. Because if you go into a restaurant down the street, you could probably start tomorrow if you wanted to. Yeah. You want to start here? It could take probably average of 14 days. Background
0: checks, HR, clearing, yep. paperwork, training. Yeah.
1: So there is a lot more. So then that slows us down in the hiring process. But we know what summers are like. So we got way ahead of it this year. Yeah. So we staffed up. Plus our core team, and I only say core because they've been here for so long. We have some people that have been here for over three years now, Mm -hmm. right? So that layer has helped us kind of hold strong. Uh, and then on the shipping and receiving side, I have a lot of strong relationships when we do, uh, hotels, right. There's a lot of money involved, which then means I have my buying power is huge. Like I will, you know, to, for just plates I can spend, you know, 30 or 40,000 on just plates for oh, a man. hotel, right? <laughs> That's the opening order because you have banquets, you yep. have you have you have basically 3 or 4 restaurants on one site. Yeah. Uh so with that amount of volume, then when I call and say I need this today, yeah, they understand. Ooh, they, okay, we're going to undertake that. Yeah. And we deal with different people like when I own restaurants, my sales rep for restaurants were different than sales reps for hotels. They Mm -hmm. also have a different, uh, layer in the sales organizations. So, so I think that helps us a little bit. We've dealt with a lot of it, the supply chain issues, uh, especially with to go packaging and those type of things, but, uh, plates and stuff, glassware, not as bad as a lot of other places. I mean, there's no way
0: to kind of talk about um, things in the industry and day-to-day work life without talking about 2020 and kind of those shutdown and those times. I mean, you know, so many restaurants would get down to maybe two to three, maybe four staff, be head chef, everybody was working all day, trying to get to go orders out, to go cocktails, whatever they were trying to do in those early days. A lot of people were changed by that, whether they softened as a manager, maybe they have a deeper appreciation for their staff now, maybe it just, it overworked them and they're no longer in the industry. From your standpoint, what were those days kind of like for you and and how did they change you at all professionally?
1: Uh, Those days were miserable. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, and it was very tough, right? Uh, Especially because there's so much weight on my shoulder to keep Mm -hmm. it going. And then we have uh, Marriott, right? Newport didn't really shut down, shut down. A lot of restaurants didn't shut down. Yeah. Right. Especially some that are a few blocks away. So, with that, you could imagine if you're an investor in this hotel and you live in Newport, why the hell are you guys closed? So, I have to deal with that. Yeah. Because I'm in between them and Marriott. And Marriott doesn't care Mm -hmm. because Marriott has to cover the entire U S they don't care about one hotel and they can't change their rules for one hotel in Newport. Yeah. They have thousands of hotels. So, uh, so that was very difficult time working in. It was very difficult time. I think being scared to reprimand your teams was also a difficult time. Definitely uh, softened me up in During the time, but it's like, all right, guys, we have to get back to work. Yeah. World's open. We need to go now. Whereas not every manager had that same idea. They were like, well, we, you know, well, 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 and it was a lot of those same excuses. Even in the last couple of weeks I've heard, well, we used to do it this way. We did that in 2020 guys. Yeah. We're not doing that now. We didn't do it in 2019. That wasn't the standard. You're right you know with some of the uh team that has been with us since at least 2019 i can throw back no not in 2019 right <laughs> that, that didn't happen uh and and i think those things we almost forgot as much as we didn't want we don't want to remember 2020 we i feel like we remembered more of 2020 2020 and 2021 than we did in the good years. yeah, And it's like, no, let's get back to the good years. And it is
0: one of those interesting things though, because again, it's, it's, you know, more than two years ago, everything shut down more than two years. And yet it feels, you know, it's that like joke, like object in the mirror, maybe closer than it appears. It feels like it's just still right there, but you're right. Getting back to certain systems, getting back to kind of what worked before, it seems like it's been an interesting process and a slow one for kind of different parts of the industry as a whole. I mean, is there a reason that some people are kind of going a little slower with kind of getting back to certain things or doing certain things a little different. I mean, what do you think are some of the kind of those it's kind of attributed to some of that?
1: I think it's uh, probably some fear, you know, are we, is it a fear on us to lose employees? We can't find employees so don't want to lose employees, right? Is it that fear? Is it the fear of changing when, a lot of restaurants and hotels are busy. You know, Is like like we're busy now, let's not rock the boat. Let's not change too much. Let's not you know, I think it's just that fear of we don't want to go into an unknown because we lived in an unknown for so long. And it sucked. And yeah. it sucked. <laughs> exactly. So it's like ah! and I I'm not that way. Yeah. It's like all right, let's go. Let's push harder. Let's I mean I I would say the uh uh back to like the tails thing, that recognition from tails for our bar program, Mm -hmm. right? In 20, when we first opened 2018, I did almost, if not all the cocktails, did the food, did all the pace. Like almost everything was my recipe. Like I would say there might be a handful of random things, the entire wine list everything was hand selected then uh steph right was a bartender then mm-hmm. in 20 she came a couple months or so after we opened but she would be like hey try this try this try this and then it would just taste and change and adapt uh because it would be like somebody's pushing me you know i'm going to push her back yeah and and then she would take that feedback. Oh, maybe let's try a different gin mm-hmm. or it's too acidic or let's saline solution or whatever the case may be. And then she'd revisit it and then we should became a manager. And then, but then now I would say a majority of the cocktails are her creation. Right. And I think there are those few people that at least on our team kept on pushing and pushing and then, they've seen that fruit of yeah. their hard work it's, and it's that labor. working.
0: The process is working. Yeah.
1: And I think that's where uh, we have kept pushing hard uh, because we also have people like my boss, my other colleagues in my office that are VPs mm-hmm. don't deal with any operations. So they just can't understand why things might take a long time or why we're being sensitive or why we're not pushing as hard as we once were. Yeah. Right, So then that helps me push the team, which then those people like Steph have accelerated their growth that they might not have been able to accelerate as quickly because layers of bureaucracy would have masked them as, yeah, they're a good employee in a big organization. No, they're a great employee in a dwindling organization, you know? Yeah. Well,
0: I want to touch on kind of just one last thought as we kind of wrap up this episode. And I'm going to keep you around for a Patreon-only post show, which people can find over there on patreon.com forward slash the best seats. But as we kind of wrap up, you know, we're getting into the tail end of summer. I know you guys just kind of switched out menu. You just kind of had a media dinner to kind of re-get eyes on the property and, and kind of breathe kind of some excitement back into it, it seems. I mean, what does the future look like for all of the kind of the food and beverage here? And then also for yourself with other hotels being built up and, and things like that. I mean, do you think that... Will you still be here in a while? Are you going to be doing this at those other hotels? I mean, what does your kind of future look like?
1: Uh, the future is bright. It's Mm -hmm. because it's evolving. Yeah. And I love the fact that we can evolve because chefs don't get to evolve necessarily. Since I will be part of this property as long as we own it, since Bob owns it and it's in his community, we'll own it forever. So 30 years down the road, I will still be part of this property. Right and him and I joke that we're going to be laughing on the porch one day when he's uh, 90 and I'm 60 some odd years old joking like, wow, we did this and we you know, remember we screwed up that idea and you know, yeah. and so I'll be part of that DNA for a very, very long time, which then creates an evolution because each time we get a new manager, each time we get a new chef, we can evolve and change and adapt. So I'm looking forward a lot more to adding things to fall menu capturing spring summer dishes and flavors by preservation fermentation and those type of things that we can add in little doses in the mm-hmm. fall menu to add brightness um, and bring back those nostalgias of summer especially because we live here and it's like you almost can't ever put a hot soup on the menu because you don't know if it's going to be 80 degrees on january one or it's going to be 65 degrees yeah hundred percent so, So then we can bring some cool components, but that's the evolutionary process. Cool dinners, cool, just a lot more things. um, And getting back to the whimsical aspect um, that I love so much in food that keeps me coming back to it in cocktails. So so that's what we can really see from this property as we continue that evolution. So for locals that
0: may not have been that are kind of that traditional, hey, no, I'm not making that drive. If I want to drive that far, I might as well go to San Diego or LA, like you mentioned. What would kind of be your sales pitch on what they're missing out by not being here, whether it's topside, whether it's mayor's table, whether it's just kind of coming to the property for a day kind of in, in general? I mean, what would your, why are they wrong for not
1: being here right now? Hey, I go to LA and San Diego all the time to go eat, right? I, I travel the world to go eat. Lido House is that local flair. Lido has the quality and the elegance that you get at a lot of establishments. The one thing I always come back to is you can go to the most polished restaurant in the world, sit there, and have a fantastic time. But you won't get the stories of the locals. You won't get to know who those people are. And every time I leave, I come back here, and I'm always impressed with our service and the true hospitality aspect. Cause these people love this place as much as I do. And that is, I think what changes and what has this culture so strong that yes, come here for a great cocktail at the bar, hang out with the bartenders. We don't hire mixologists. We hire bartenders. They're super talented, but they're here to talk to you and ha- be that company if you want them. And they're, you know, that's why you sit at a bar to yeah. get to know your bartender and Same with your server in the restaurant or your server on top side. They're going to be here time and time again when you come back and they can take care of you every time and make you feel like this is your place. And I think that's a unique character of being a five star hotel, Mm -hmm. but having this home like feel.
0: That's awesome well chef i can't thank you enough for the time on this episode like i said i am going to keep you around for a patreon only one um if people wanted to learn more about the restaurant about the dining options here the hotel itself you whether it be kind of social media websites things like that where can people do
1: that at well, social media is always the easiest one because photos say it all yeah uh they speak louder than words in uh the online presence right so uh Lido house underscore our leto underscore house uh, on Instagram, Mayor's Table Instagram, uh, Topside Lido Instagram, uh, my Instagram, Riley Dot Huddleston, uh, and then also our Lido House website sh- has a lot of great information on there as well.
0: And for anybody listening, again, I know that this is going to be this episode will launch kind of middle of August, but you will still have those great days left. And like Chef said, I mean, I've I've woken up Christmas morning and it's been ninety degrees, so you don't really have an excuse not to come down here, whether it's topside or for dinner. Uh, Chef, thank you so, so much for the time. Can't thank it enough. Your passion is tangible. Yeah, kind of all of, like you said, your DNA is throughout this place. I mean, it, it, your touches are kind of everywhere. And I'm very, very excited that things are going so well. I'm glad that all of that kind of bad stuff is behind us. And we're, we're kind of getting back to, well, we are back to things, just kind of crushing it and having fun and making great food and making great memories. So thank you for what you're doing here. And thank you for the
1: time. Thank you. And yes, we are back. Yeah. thank you thank you thank
0: you to chef so much again for taking the time uh thank you to Lido house for being so gracious opening up a private dining room for us to record in like i said this is a very busy hotel even on a monday this place was popping so for them to take the time and dedicate some space um, to really allow us to record in peace at a very busy property really means a lot but again to chef thank you so much for being so candid thank you for being so open um he's a guy that if you have the chance to meet please do Very, very, very nice guy and running around, again, like I said, executing a lot of different things at once with precision, just like you heard on the show, but I could not be more grateful for him for taking the time to come on. Thank you to all of you who make this possible each and every week and each and every month by supporting on Patreon each and every week. If you're listening on free feeds, I love all of you, but to everybody on Patreon, especially you, because you make this possible it does not work without you thank you to all the advertising partners who support over on patreon if you're interested in advertising you can find more information there thank you to my friend ali coyle who makes this show sound so good with her music be sure to check that out thank you to all the chefs that keep grinding each and every day the summertime has been a busy one here in orange county no doubt if you're listening anywhere else it's been a busy one for you too. keep grinding we see you we support you we love you to everybody else tippy bartenders and i'll see you soon take care The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Cheryl McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito No Rito, Sarah Hines, Subtle Bubbles, Jay Baker, Tim Swine, John Sanchez, Timothy. Thank you for your support.